I invite you to take your Bibles, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that contains a feast, a meal, and it's contained in the 25th chapter of Matthew, so Matthew chapter 25, and so please turn there with me. This last week was a wonderful week for us. Melody and I uh, just reflected on the 12 years that we've been able to serve here at Highland Crest, 10 of those as an associate or an assistant pastor. And if you were with us last Sunday, we closed out the book of Jonah, in which Jonah was... uh, burning off a little anger, and we were talking about how we can struggle with this little anger ourselves. And and in an illustration, I was talking about the shortage of phone chargers that are in our home and how that can often be a, a source of frustration and anger for me. So in in going to our mailbox this week, uh, there was a a thoughtful couple that sent us a card with some wonderful words, and it had some stickers on it that said, dad's phone charger, which was really an appropriate gesture. We appreciate that. And then a little bit earlier than that in the week, there was a package that came from Amazon. And I looked at my wife, Melody, and I said, did you order this? I mean, you're always ordering stuff, but I didn't order this. And no, I didn't order this. And I opened it up and it was a pack of five chargers (laughs) for iPhone. Yeah. And and with this little note that says, may you always be charged up for Christ from us. So if this was you, that's very thoughtful. I am sure this will last us the end of the month. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 25 uh, together. And, And if you are joining us as we're reading through the Bible this year, then you, it wasn't all that long ago when we read this, In Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, that is what is referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And and in chapter 24, Jesus is giving some details of what it will look like when he returns a second time. In fact, if you look at 24 verse 3, it says here, He sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so then he spends the rest of chapter 24 just offering details about his second coming. And then he follows up chapter 24 with a series of parables, of stories or illustrations to reinforce what he has just taught in the previous chapter. And so one of those parables is what we're going to look at right now Beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 25, let's look on with me. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. 
But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's just join with another time of prayer. Father, as we have read this passage of Scripture that speaks of Jesus' second coming, we see here a, a warm invitation, but also a very stern warning for us. An invitation to be able to enter into a relationship with Jesus, who's the groom here. And what a wonderful picture that he wants to enter into an eternal relationship with us, that we can have a companion and and experience a joy in this life. Father, I pray that as this parable is unfolded before us this morning, that we would be able to see where we are at. Are we among the the five wise young ladies or among the five foolish young ladies that have never really entered into relationship with Jesus? And, oh, Lord, how I would pray that that invitation would be extended again this morning and that each person would be able to look at their own heart and say, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I do not want to miss this opportunity. I want to be ready when Jesus returns a second time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago, Melody and I were not married yet. We were in that dating or courting stage. And her parents had invited me up. They were going to a little brief trip up on Mackinac Island. If you've ever been there, then you know that you need to take a ferry from the mainland to Mackinac Island. And and while we were there at the ticket window, uh, Jim, my future father-in-law, purchased some tickets for the family, and then I waited behind. And as those tickets were purchased, we could hear this large... It was a sign that that ship, that ferry, was going to be pulling out soon to go to the island. Well, they scattered off to that ferry, and I tailed behind and, and purchased my ticket, and I heard it again, and I thought, well, there's no way they're going to leave without me. I'm too important of a person. Surely they will stay behind. And as I ran around the corner, I saw the ship, the ferry, moving out from the dock, and there was Melody waving at me. <laughs> now, as I've reflected on that story, it For these last several years, I'm quite convinced the captain had asked, is everyone here? And Pastor Jim said, yes, we're all here. Get going, get going, get going. (laughs) No, I'm sure that's not what happened. But nonetheless, the invitation was extended. As far as I knew, I was going, but I was not ready. And as we look at this passage this morning, we see a group of people that had received an invitation. They thought that they were going, but in the end, they were not ready. 
Let's look here again at verse 1. We're just going to work through this passage verse by verse. And it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The word then connects back to the content of chapter 24, of which Jesus had just been unpacking for us what it will look like when he returns a second time. And then often when we think of God, we have no trouble with this concept of him being king. This is a parable about the kingdom of heaven. And we see him as authoritative, as strong, as mighty and powerful. And we are of his subjects and we are weak and frail. And certainly that truth is contained in verse 1. But he is also referred to as another person here. We'll find out that this parable has God, or more specifically, Jesus as the groom. Certainly God is all-powerful and almighty and all-strong, but he also invites us to an intimate relationship with him as well. In the Old Testament prophets, it's not unusual for God to be referred to as the groom. Let me refer to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, where it says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth, he is called. And we see him also referred to as a a groom in, say, the book of Hosea or the book of Ezekiel. And Jesus the Son is also referred to as a groom in, say, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. When the disciples of John came to Jesus, they said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and when they will fast. Jesus is referring to himself as the groom. And it's a, it's a great picture that God not only wants to be our king, but he also wants to be our husband. He wants to have this intimate relationship with him. So think with me a little bit about this relationship. When one enters into marriage, they enter into a covenant, a permanent relationship. They enter into some companionship where they will always have that spouse or always have Jesus as one that is guiding their life. There is ongoing communication. As a Christian, you're hearing the Word of God, you're reading the Word of God, and you're allowed to express yourself through prayer. But there is also something very gratifying about marriage, isn't there? There's a a, a great intimacy where another person sees you for who you are, both physically and emotionally. They see your heart, and they don't run away. They, They are drawn to you, and you're drawn to them. And there's this physical intimacy that comes shortly after the marriage feast. And so it's a wonderful picture of what God desires for each of us this morning to have a relationship. Now before we just dive into this parable, I think it'd be helpful for us to do a little review that the marriage ceremony of our day is a little bit different than the marriage ceremony of a Jew in the first century. So let me just give you three quick stages of what a first century Jewish wedding ceremony would look like. First, there was the engagement. Often, two dads would get together and would arrange a marriage. Now, there might be a professional matchmaker, but most of the time, it was two dads arranging one with their, their, their son and the other with their daughter, and they would enter into a contract. 
The second phase of this Jewish wedding ceremony is something much more binding and was called a betrothal period. This was a time where there actually was a public ceremony. And, and that young man and that young woman would stand in front of their family and friends and pledge themselves to one another and enter into a covenant with God that their marriage would last. And this was binding. In fact, that this young man and young woman broke it off, that was called a divorce. And if something happened to that young man and he died, that young lady would be called a widow. That's how strong and binding that commitment was during this second phase. So shortly after this betrothal ceremony, the young man would go away. And he would establish himself with a good job, a good trade, and look to to build an income for his future family. That could last months. And then after a period of time, when his household was in order, he would then go with his groomsmen to the bride, to the bridesmaids. And there they would meet with them. And it could be the middle of the night. When they would go there, they would have a little bit of a parade where the groom and the bride would come together and say, the feast is about ready to begin. And they might march up and down the street of that village or that town and say, the feast is about ready to begin. And then it would go to the home. And there, a feast could last days, could last a week. One source I read this week said it could last as long as two weeks. So this bride would not wait alone. She would have bridesmaids. And it was their responsibility to wait with the bride for the groom, for the husband to come. Now with that, a little bit of a background, let's get into our parable here. It says that there were ten virgins in verse 1 who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. There were ten of these young ladies. The Bible says that they had never been with a man. They had never been married. They were a part of the bridesmaid party. And they were there to wait with the bride, wait for the groom to come. And then it says here in verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wise. Now the word foolish here in the Greek language is the word moros. It's where we get our word moron. To to say it more bluntly, if I could say it this way, the, the language here is to say that there were five of these young ladies that were stupid And then there were five that were sensible. They were prudent. So let's just back up a little bit. There are a number of things that these young ladies have in common. One, they had all been invited to this wedding feast by the groom. Two, as far as they knew, they were all going to the wedding feast that had been provided by the groom. And the third thing that they all had in common was they all had an admiration for the groom. They could not wait to see him. But then, these two group, there was two different groups. There was one group that knew it was evening, so they brought some oil for the, the fuel for their lamp so they could see in the middle of the night. There was a second group that didn't bring any oil for their lamps. It's, a, it's like this. If you were going camping... And you brought a lantern, but you didn't have any propane for it. Or if you went camping and you brought a flashlight and you didn't have any batteries for that. I think you would agree with me that that is stupid, right? 
And, and that's what separates these two groups of women. So now this is a parable. And, and there's a picture here. There's a message that Jesus is trying to convey to the original hearers and to us this morning. So what is that picture? These ten young ladies represent the church. They represent a group of people that, that profess that they are followers of Jesus. They have all been invited into a relationship with him. As far as they know, they are going to meet Jesus when he returns and they will spend an eternity in heaven. But there is a group of people that have the oil of an authentic relationship with Jesus, one in which the Spirit is working in their life, one in which they are abiding in Christ, when the Word of God is dwelling in them richly. There is the fruits of the Spirit being manifested in their life. There is evidence of them growing in maturity. That is the oil. And then there is another group that could be a deacon, could be a Sunday school leader, could be a faithful attender, could be a pastor, could be a long-standing member of a Baptist church, but they have no relationship with Jesus. And they're relying on their dry, crusty, religious works, thinking that will get them to heaven. That is what God is really looking for. So we see here in this group There is one that is ready with the oil of an intimate relationship with Jesus. And there is another group that is not ready. And I've been to enough weddings that I can see how this could happen. There are bridesmaids, and I imagine they are really excited to be able to stand up with this bride. And perhaps they are so uh, excited that they're putting makeup on and they're doing their hair up in such a special way that they never even thought of bringing oil. Or perhaps they are trying to update their social media profile so that their profile looks so favorable that that's what kept them from actually bringing oil for their lamps. Or this isn't my first rodeo. Perhaps they are flirting with some of the other groomsmen and that is what's kept them from bringing the oil. And then it says here in verse 5, And the bridegroom was delayed, and they all became drowsy and slept. They had anticipated that the groom was coming at a specific time, but he didn't come then. He came later. In fact, if you'll look with me at Matthew 24, there you see there's several different places where Jesus says, we don't know when he will come. Look with me at verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angel of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Look with me at Matthew 24 at verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Or verse 44. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Or verse 50. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he does not know. So now the groom is coming. It's been a bit of a delay, and he is actually coming in the middle of the night. But it says in verse 5, they all became drowsy and slept. So not only the foolish ones, but also the wise ones. So evidently the wise ones, 
had, had been working, had been faithful, and they just got weary and they got tired. And that can happen to spirit-filled Christians, can it not? They're doing the work of the ministry. They're raising their families. They're involved in sharing the gospel and discipling people. And at the end of the day, they are exhausted, so they sleep. And they do it all over again. But there is this great call. At verse 6 it says, At midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And verse 7 says, Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Does anyone else find it interesting? That even the foolish ones who had their lamps did not have any oil, attempted to start their lamps. What did they think was going to happen? Those who had oil, those who had a saving relationship with Jesus were like, I've been waiting for this moment. Since the moment I became a follower of Jesus, yes, he is here. Those who are foolish, those among the church that are waiting for when Jesus to return are going to rely on their religious deeds and their acts, and they are dry and just routine. But they will find out that it's like lighting a lamp without any oil at all. And then it says here in verse 8, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Then verse 9 says, But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and, and buy for yourselves. Now, you might find that a bit troubling. Why aren't these wise ones loving enough to share their oil? Well, if you want to read a parable about sharing, read the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's not what this parable is about. This is a parable about getting ready. And and no, we, we have oil. We've been preparing for this so that we could meet the groom when he arrives. And there's one really important truth that I want you to hear now. is those of you who when Jesus returns and you are asked, do you have a saving relationship? Is the Spirit dwelling within you? Are you walking? Are you in communication with Jesus Is he abiding in you and and are you abiding in him? You will not be able to say to your dad, to your Sunday school teacher, to your pastor, to your teacher, can you transfer your relationship to me? It just does not work that way. Someone asks, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And you say, can I introduce you to my mother? She is a praying woman. She's been praying for me since the day I was born. Well, that's good. But do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, let me introduce you to my Sunday school teacher. He preaches the word and I am there every Sunday morning. Well, that's good. But have you trusted Christ and are you walking with him? That's the question. Well, uh, well, let me show you right here. I became a member of Highland Crest Baptist Church back in 2008. Well, that's good, but that isn't the question. Are you right now trusting in Christ to save you from your sins? And is there evidence of that in your life right now? Verse 10 says, And while they were going to buy, evidently the 
Quick Trip was still open or there was some store still open where you could go and get some oil. The bridegroom came. And listen to this. Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. You know, when I started out with this passage, I was praying, oh, we're going to have a meal on Sunday? Uh, Let's, let's find a parable that, that contains a feast or a meal. and I, I think that would be nice and chipper, and everyone would be happy to, to hear a good, good parable about that. And the more I got into this parable, I'm like, this isn't too chipper. Because there's a feast that's being served. And there were many people that thought, I, I'm ready for that feast. But they really weren't ready for that feast at all. And it says the door was shut. It sounds like the book of Genesis, doesn't it? And in the ark, and, and Noah has put his family in there, and God closes that door. It's like, y'all had your chance. And now the judgment is coming. Verse 11 says, Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. You had your opportunity and you squandered it. And so verse 13 just makes it really clear for a teacher or for a preacher. One doesn't have to come up with some sort of an application because he closes this parable with the application. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And it's not so much a physical watch with a crick in your neck, always looking up to the, to the clouds. Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. It's more about be ready. Because at any moment, there could be that shout, that could be that trumpet blast, and the groom could come for his bride, the church. So there is a word of warning for all of us here today. Are you ready? As I've studied and thought through this passage this week, there is one thing that I find very chilling in this. I don't want to press this parable to the point where it's not to be pressed. But does anyone else find this very uncomfortable that of these ten virgins, five of them were foolish and five of them were wise? And if this is a a parable to the church, and it is, to apply that would be able to say 50% are actually followers of Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus and another 50% are false converts. Now that is chilling. Now let's not press it too much. It's just a parable. But nonetheless, he certainly made a point with that. So here we go. Let's just wrap this up. There will come a day where either you will pass away or Jesus will return. Are you ready? Imagine, and this happens often for me, a phone call is placed. Hey, so-and-so, it's just a matter of moments before they pass away. And sometimes they'll make an appeal. Hey, can we have the pastor come out? And I am happy to do that. But I imagine there are some that would be like, you know what? Yes, I could pass away in the next 30 minutes, the next 60 minutes. Well, what's the pastor going to do? I've been preparing for this moment for decades. If you want the pastor to come, 
certainly he can come, but he's going to be praying for you. I'm more excited than I've ever been at this moment because I'm ready to meet Jesus. I am ready. Are you ready? What does it mean to be ready? Well, this morning you're sitting around a table, and I'm hoping that you'll plan on staying. Within a matter of minutes, we'll have a prayer, a song, and, and, and then we'll serve some food. And just imagine sitting there at that table, and, and by the kindness of others, and by the Lord's kindness, He's going to provide for you a meal of which you have nothing to, to participate in. All you have to do is receive that meal and take it into yourself. Personalize this food. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and that none of us, even in our righteous deeds, even becoming a member of a Baptist church or a Bible-preaching church or being baptized, can be made right with God on our own. Rather, a gift is presented to us. In the same way you would have to take that meal to yourself, you have to take this gift to yourself. This gift is one dying in your place and taking what you deserve on himself by dying on the cross for your sins and by raising from the dead three days later. This gift also entails that you're going to say, I want to commit myself to being a follower of Jesus. As I've thought about this passage this week and I've looked at out these tables and chairs, I'm reminded of an event that took place in this room about 18 years ago. Melanie and I got married. Now, we got married behind her mom and dad's house just off of Hazelwood here, but our reception was right in this room and it looked very similar to it does this morning. There was a big, long table right here. And somewhere along that reception, my, my big brother Perry got up and he offered the best man speech where he insulted me and offered all sorts of embarrassing stories of my childhood. Jerk. But uh, <laughs> And my wife and I, on that day, entered into a relationship. We entered into a covenant where for as long as the Lord would allow, we would we'd be joined together. The two would become one. Our identities would change. There would be companionship, where we would always be married, not just on Sunday mornings. We'd be married for that point forward, where we would go through the highs and lows together, where there would be great joys of gratification a fulfillment that God had intended for us. And so I would ask you this morning, are you ready? Have you become more than just an admirer of Jesus? Have you entered into a relationship with him? Have you received the gift that he has provided for you? Let's pray together. You certainly don't need a pastor to do that. You can do it right where you are at. You could do it right in your living room or your kitchen. Or maybe you're even driving right now when listening to this. And with your eyes open, you can pray. Father, I understand that an invitation has been extended to me to have a relationship with Jesus. And I have sinned. 
in my, my attitude, in the direction of my life. I'm, I am not where you want me to be. I feel the guilt of that. I feel the conviction of that. You have created me for more than what my life looks like right now. I understand there isn't anything I can do. I can't bring up a lamp that doesn't have any oil and and I can't bring a life that that doesn't have any um, evidence of your blessing on it before you. So I received the gift that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I, I take that and I say, thank you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you for all my days on this earth and all the days of eternity. I want to walk with you. I want to know the sweetness of this fellowship. To enter into this this marriage with you where I become a different person and I'm filled with your spirit and, and the word becomes alive to me and I want to walk with you and I want to relinquish all the sin and the sinful habits that I have. Help me with that. And as we eat a little bit later today, that, that's just a picture of a great meal that we'll have together when Jesus comes back, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Lord, I need you. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I would encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ until what we just did right now, it's appropriate for you to say, I've done that. I'll be here as we sing this song. You can come and say, I've become a follower of Jesus today. And we have a new believer class that we'd be happy to invite you to and to tell you what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And the next step would be for you to be baptized just in the same way that a wedding ring represents your marriage. A baptism represents you're a follower of Jesus. Well, let's stand together. And let's sing this song. If there's a way I can pray for you here at the front, allow me to do that.